0: No more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Once again, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, contributing editor at Publishers Weekly. Um, Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics.
1: And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at at PWComicsWorld. Maybe soon on Blue Sky and... Uh, threads, have we, uh, secured our screen name there yet?
0: Um, no, but... But we should. <laughs> but we should, yes. Yeah, we should think about that, yeah. We should talk about that.
1: And
2: my name is Kate Fitzsimmons, I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com.
0: And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And on the Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld.
1: And don't forget, you could also leave us a comment or a rating on any of those platforms. Um, please give us some feedback on what you like or don't like about the podcast, because we love to hear from our listeners.
2: And if there's something that we're not covering that you think we should, that's related to comics or graphic novels of any kind, let us know.
0: Talk to us, why don't you? All right, this week on More to Come, San Diego Comic-Con. She's coming, y'all. Return to Comics Retail The Mongification of the DCUI Viz Price Change and Lance Finsterman lands at Fanatics. All right, San Diego. Oh boy.
1: Well it's coming. <laughs> uh Calvin and Kate aren't going. I'm I not am, going, but so I'm super duper stressed out. You know, and, Godspeed
0: uh, yeah. Heidi McDonald. Ugh.
1: I'm mentally already <laughs> in San Diego, uh, with all the planning going on. But, uh, boy, this is going to be a San Diego unlike any other sure. because, uh, the writers guild has been on strike. We've been talking about that for a while. Oh, yes. And then as of uh, last night, as we record this, uh, SAG aftra went on strike. And so all of the actors, you know, there was going to be, uh, like Hall H had completely, Drained of all the big presentations. We've been talking about that for a while.
0: Traditionally, the movie venue.
1: Traditionally, the scene of all the big yes. panels, the Warner yes. Brothers presentation and so on. You know, now on... It was... The, the schedule that went out last week, uh, it wasn't even open on Sunday. And now, for instance, there was a big spotlight on William Shatner la- on Saturday. I mean, now... Um, hmm. I mean, you know, in theory, he could still do that. Because... Uh, I believe the uh, rules of the strike, well, I'm, I was... If it's bolded. not
0: something in production?
1: If it's not something on unprodu- I mean, you can do a personal appearance. Right. You're not mm-hmm. promoting something that is, you know, by one of the AM- TMP companies.
0: So, um, and if it's just a pure tribute to him.
1: Yeah, if it's just him being interviewed, in theory, mm-hmm. he might still be able to do yeah. it. But there were actors, voice actors who were coming from animation because yeah. they're not the animation is a signatory to the to the writer's guild, unfortunately. So some of the actors were coming and um I mean they're just canceling panels left, right, yeah. center. But you know what? That leaves a big, giant, glorious comic show. And I was looking at the schedule and um it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing, you know, it has
0: Comics at Comic-Con. Comics at Comic-Con, number, putting the
1: comics back in Comic-Con. Yeah. We, we say
0: that every Comic-Con.
1: Well, we yeah. say it in a hopeful way, but this way is yeah. much really different.
0: And there have been specific, I remember the, when Con first launched at San mm-hmm. Diego, that was a kind of a moment where everyone was really talking about comics and not necessarily the movies at Comic-Con. So there's always these moments where we think that the focus will be back on the comics.
1: Well, there, we, we often talk about that, but I mean, obviously this time there's not going to be any actors promoting movies. So it's not like we're just saying, oh, this would be great if it was about comics again. It's like there's not going to be any big panels promoting (laughs) movies or TV.
2: There may, but they're going to be sans actors or writers. So they may well, get promo people out there if they still want to show, say their premiere of the first episode of whatever
1: they are, they're doing some of the premiere. They're doing some, some of that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, I mean, I haven't, honestly, it's like, again, today, this, the sag strike just launched today. Uh, so everything's very much a flux. I'll tell you one thing, people are trying to get out of their hotel rooms and, Badges in droves. I mean, apparently... excellent.
2: If I lived in California, I would be ready to snap up somebody else's. Would you? Because I don't care about actors. Well, I mean, I, mean, I wish I will... them well. Yes. yes, yes, of
0: course. I mean, I, I, I will say this. I mean, I, you know, I used to say when I was still going that you know I'm one of the few people that still cover covers, covers Comic Con as a publishing
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah, sure. Uh, not as a movie promotional <laughs> extravaganza. So, I mean I mean I can imagine if your your focus was to go there and see movie stars, why are you you know, why am I all this cash?
2: Even if you were a hardcore fan, but your specific thing that you cared enough to come that far for was something related to your favorite comic book franchise and, you know, seeing the new thing for that movie, you might not come. Yeah. If you could get the money back. Yeah.
0: And let me just uh, tell listeners also that one reason we're talking about this besides that it's coming next week, is the the annual preview of San Diego Comic Con at Publishers Weekly is you can go to publishersweekly.com dot com slash comics and get it. Heidi McDonald wrote it. Um and it goes into this well it's speculating it about what's speculate. gonna happen. At that point, we were if speculating. The strike. Yeah, yeah. But, and when we went to press, but now we know.
1: And I mean to be fair, when I asked David Glanzer, the spokesman for Comic Con, um, about uh, what he, um, you know, what he said about the strike. I mean, he said, you know, we have a lot of other things. There's a lot of different elements and you know, he's not wrong. I mean, there's, I mean, I am looking at the, the schedule, the panel schedule alone. And, you know, when you printed it out, which I did because the interface is so long, this is just the titles. Well, all right. This includes all everything. All right. Uh, it's like screenings, signings, events, everything. It's 102 pages long, mm. okay, uh, on the PDF. And if you are just looking at the comics events, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, the guest list is amazing. You know, everyone from Junji Ito um to i i mean just just tons of people. i mean after gigi you know i mean that's kind of hard to top let's be honest yeah, but yeah, yeah. um you know he's an incredible guest but there is just i mean there's so many amazing panels i put down on our list alone there's panels about kickstarter there's panels about indie comics there's panels about writing comics there's panels about drawing comics i mean if you're going there to see the the most relevant voices in the comics industry talking on the most relevant topics this is the show to go to. And not only that, you're going to get a lot of things
2: that you may never see again. One of the comic panels that I remember most out of my entire life was the time that I and some friends who were very, very into, uh, 60s Marvel went to see Joe Simon oh, on yes. his, his, uh, you know, interview dash highlight panel. New York Comic Con one year Mm -hmm. and he died a few years later you know and it was really like he really told interesting things about the growth of these uh, comics that he created and about his memories of the industry and you never know who's not going to have a feature panel again.
0: Absolutely. And, At, of course, you, you're, the title of your feature says it all. I mean, this is what Comic-Con does. The programming is yeah. second to none, yeah. the, and both in the, the amount of it and the depth of it. So, um, yeah. It,
1: it does. And, uh, you know, I am uh, trying to find the, the guest list here, which they don't make very easy to find on <laughs> so, the website.
2: So, yeah, even though I'm doing this entirely vicariously because – I'm on the East Coast, and I do not have the vacation time or the disposable income at the moment for New- for San Diego Comic-Con when New York Comic-Con's right uh, here. So
1: I, I think I did read this before, but uh, just in, in case you're listening for the first time, I'm just going to read off the, the – some of the Gastines, victoria aviard uh, darcy little jerry beck jim benton holly black jay scott campbell alex de richard Cate, janice chang becky clonan felicia day joe duffy mark evanier barbara freelander bill griffiths simon hanselman junji ito john Armida jr keith knight jim lee todd mcfarlane frank miller stephen Notley. Christopher Paulini, Joe Casada, P. Craig Russell, Ben Saunders, Linda Sajic, Stepan Sajic, John Sumper, Scott Shaw, Bo Smith, Jeff Smith, Rachel Smith, <laughs> Matthew Southworth, Mary Spath, Garth Stein, William Stout, J. Michael Straczynski, Mariko Tamaki, Raina Telgemeier, Ben Temple Smith, Maggie Thompson, Ron Turner, Brian Walker, David F. Walker, Lee Weeks, and Martha Wells. So every one of those special guests has their own panel. Yeah. And I mean, that alone is an incredible lineup of guests. You will not see that anywhere else in the world. So anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I'm, I'm right. so excited. And I'm for saying the vicariously,
2: yeah. as someone who's not going to be there mm-hmm. for obvious logistical reasons, I'm still kind of like having a ha more for me feeling mm-hmm. when I hear that, um you know, people are bailing from Comic-Con because... Were I based out of San Diego, I would be like, yeah. well, stinks for them, but it'll be less crowded and uh, maybe I can see more things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because comics are what I'm there for.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, the, the last time I went was in 2019, um, uh, but look, be, being able to go to Comic-Con is special. It's a lot of work if mm-hmm. you're a journalist, but boy, oh boy, uh, it, it's it's an amazing experience. Uh I went to about 18 or 19 in a row. So that will, you know, you can't take that away yeah. from
1: me. And I mean, it's just, you know, even with all the media stuff there, it really is about connecting with colleagues, connecting with friends, oh, connecting people. with the, yeah, people, the, the, people, it, the people, the people, the people. So it's the industry's leading industry. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the con rolls out this year, without all these distractions. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, there's look, there still are distractions. Like, there's photos going up. They're still putting up the wraps. They're still got the ads on the trolleys. They
0: wrap buildings, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) They already are
1: committed to a lot of off-site activations. There's going to be, you know, Adult Swim is going to be there. They are going to have a big, you know, set up outside the... They're helping there like they always do. There's a big Jurassic Park thing. So, you know, the spectacle is still going to be there in and a lot of ways. DC is back. Yes, DC is back. Dark Walls is back. Not a small thing. Yeah. Uh, and they're back and they're selling comics. Um, I mean, Which I, they should have always done. Well, they didn't want to because it was too crowded. Well, tough. But, um, they have an even smaller booth now. I mean, so. that place was,
0: I mean, the DC booth was a hub. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it really was crazy in there. I don't, you know, policy. if they had tried to sell stuff, but you know, I, I it would have been kind of amazing. But okay,
2: um, I'm thinking of of New York Comic Con. Maybe, maybe it's different in San
0: Diego. <laughs> well, the, well, I mean, they had so much space in New York. I mean, when they yeah, had but
1: it, but it, I want to point out, they still it, didn't sell in stuff New then. York. They have that whole. well, yeah. They didn't do it last time, right. but they had that whole special end yeah. of the convention it was center. Men. But the reason they're there is because it's so crowded on the show floor one time that, remember, there was the girl fainted in the DC yes. booth and it took so long for the EMTs to get to her that they said, never again, we're never going to be on the it's show floor Trying again. to get people so, off of the show floor. Um, and, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, DC is back yeah. and uh, they have all these exclusives and, you know, it's great. Now, the immense irony of it is that... Um, you know, the stupid folks at uh running it under AT&T decided that um, they were going to give up that incredible booth space that they had in the center of the floor because they wanted an integrated Warner Brothers booth. So they had this <laughs> dumb, dumb booth ever. all Dumbest. the way over, and far away from the other publishers. And then last year, they didn't have anything. And now this year, guess what? No Warner Brothers booth just little dc comics taking up about a third of the space that they used to have and uh sorry surrounded by like tokodoki and funko so it's like you you There's, blew it you blew yeah,
0: it so st- the people that own Warners now I just,
1: just well that was you know two owners ago so yeah, uh, yeah, I mean I can't even name the owners yeah. anymore,
0: so well, it's just
1: ridiculous I uh, just want to also point out have you guys been following I mean it's a little bit um, off the beaten track of comics and publishing but it is going to impact our next segment that we're going to talk about have you been following The Strike and the negotiations and the tactics between the producers. I, I haven't
2: the, been following it in great depth. I've been following it sort of at a bit of a distance. I've, so I've, I've give me the, 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 the fine details. Well,
1: you know, here's the thing. Like, we talked about it when the writers first went on strike. May 1st, so that was mm-hmm. two months ago. So they have been on the picket lines for two months. And they, uh, you know, writers have gone out for long strikes. I mean, they're not going to break easily. No. Um, and so then, you know, the DGA... Settled immediately. They got the deal they wanted, and then the actors have been led by you know Fran Drescher, led by the nanny.
0: And she's doing it. She's, she's doing just, it. Folks. Well,
1: I mean, she's a good <laughs>
0: spokesperson. <laughs> if
1: you gotta, if you have to choose, do you have the nanny as your spokesperson or not? Choose the nanny. Yeah. But um, uh, they have. There was there was a they had a deadline, and then they pushed for it in hopes that there and the and the nanny put out very positive. Smoked. It. it was like, oh, we love talking to AM T- TMP, uh, the producers, and um, mm-hmm. you know, sounded very positive. Now the deadline was midnight last night, okay, and then on the brink of this on Monday, uh, we're recording this on Thursday. So just as the week dawned and this deadline was coming, two things happened. Um, the producer said, oh, we need to bring in a mediator because we really want to settle this. And okay, you're doing that at the eleventh hour. And then this incredible article went up in Deadline about the Writers Guild, and it had all these anonymous sources saying, um, "Well, you know, our whole plan is just to starve them out. You know, a lot of we just want to wait until people are losing their homes. And uh, it's a cruel. And this is a direct quote, it's a cruel but necessary evil.' So who who wants to starve who out? Uh, the oh, producers the want to starve up the writers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, there's just like, can you be any more ridiculously villainous? Like, you know, what is this? You know, the mini ballet in The King and I? I mean, you know, yeah. poor Eliza, I mean, Jeebus. And then, of course, it backfired terribly. And all, every writer was like, we're already starving. We already <laughs> yeah, don't make right. any money You're, from this. Yeah. What are you talking about? And so, you know, and then the rumor was that, you know, they realized that this was not the best message to put out at this time. And then they put up an anonymous quote. So they say, "Oh, these the anonymous quote from the producers that so was like, oh, you know, these anonymous quotes do not speak for us. We want to find a settlement. Uh, so it gets that backdrop.
0: But there's another stupid quote I, that I assume you're going to bring.
1: Well, up. go ahead. Yeah, i, know well, you're I just going to bring stupid. up the Bob Iger oh, quote. Oh well, come on. Is,
0: you know, buddies. which in its own way is uh, just a ridiculous <laughs> insult. Well, what did he say? He said it, that the claim, the writer's uh, um, uh, proposals were unrealistic. This is a man who makes 27 million dollars oh, a see, year, yeah. or something. And
1: he said it's unrealistic
0: for it's writers unrealistic. to get residuals. Come on. I mean, you know, this is a, you know, they're they're negotiating with people who won't even tell them, you know, how much, what, how, how, uh, how much traffic they get on streaming. Nobody knows what the money is. And he's telling them that, that they're not being realistic, realistic by wanting a fair share of it. I
1: know. I, you know, I've been a uh, Bob Iger fan on here before when he very masterfully edged out Ike Perlmutter, but... Dude, come on! That was
0: that's just well,
1: nice. What are you? I mean, what are you going to do? Go down to your little sub? That uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't even obey the laws of physics. I mean, you, you know, it's like so much of this. I mean, I th- I've said this on social media, but I think the reason why people were so fascinated by the sub was because the sub full of billionaires going down to the Titanic was because it just symbolized the clueless like detachment from reality. That these are, you know, corporate overlords have. And, and then the nanny got up and she was like, you know, like for you to say that we don't deserve our fair share, you know, that you have no money to pay us while you're making $27 million a year is just outrageous and disgusting. And I mean, it is. Yeah. And I mean, I
2: think, I think there may be a fundamental misunderstanding of fans, especially in the modern day because i think they think that we are except for a, a few shrill people who are not typical are really just focused on the fictional characters and the actors and don't care about the writers mm-hmm. but that's not that's what not i true. that's not true, at, not all true at all because in the age of the internet where it's it's easy to see who the writers of your favorite show are Where there are interviews, if you want to look for it, with your favorite writers of your favorite shows. People are very aware of who makes the shows they like, because that's, they're like, oh, it's a new show that has these guys I like, I'm gonna watch that. uh, Like, people don't see television creators, not just actors, but the people creating it, as interchangeable corporate parts Absolutely anymore.
1: Absolutely not, and I mean that goes back all the way to the dawn of television, which was known as a writers' era. Well, I mean, there it was, but I mean, in between
2: that writers' yeah. era and this writers' right. era, I think there were eras where writers were not as well known Correct. by the general body of typical fans.
0: But today, yeah, yeah, this people know of, who these people are, and they care. Of, this is yeah. part of the rise of fandom. Yeah, they, they connected. You know, the the uh, the connect. Connection between fans that the internet actually provides. Right. So yes, you're absolutely right. And
2: and the information it provides mm. and the transparency it provides, mm. because before you didn't necessarily know what was going on backstage. And people are are genuinely outraged. And it doesn't hurt that we live in a more international world. That um, you know, it's like you know what, I'm just going to stay away from American TV. And I'll just watch, insert country of choices, TV, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, uh, until they get this settled out.
1: Well, I, you know, I mean, the big holdout from what I keep hearing is Netflix on this because they don't want to give up the numbers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, information wants to be free. And uh I was talking, actually, to a friend who is a producer earlier in the week, and uh, you know, they laughed. They laughed about it because it's like they don't know either. Like they if you have a show on Netflix, they don't tell you mm. the numbers. They give you some metrics, but they don't even tell the people who make the shows uh what those numbers are. And you know, in a time when I mean I kind of get it. It's like, you know, uh it's uh I forget. Well, I'm not a mathematician, so I'm not gonna find the right proportionate. It's proportionate. The more accurate the info the harder they work to make sure that info doesn't get out. Yeah. You know? yeah.
2: And I mean, I, I will say from the other side of the curtain, when I first saw book scan numbers, I was like, Oh, oh, okay. That's why publishers don't mm-hmm. make these public.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, you know, they do have, uh, the, I mean, uh, well, numbers being accurate is all different discussion, but, um, uh, you know, that is one of the big keys to all of this. And, you know, what does this have to do with comics? I mean, it's like the trickle down economy. And it I, is. I think, our, I think, you know, just as far as Comic Con goes, um I, I'm, I'm excited to go next week. And, uh, this, you know, this Sands, Media Comic Con. It's gonna be just fine. Uh, I feel bad for the restaurants and the hotels mm-hmm. because those are the ones that are gonna lose a lot of money, but they're still, listen, my invite I- inbox is packed. I mean, I'm, mm. you know, turning down events left, right and center. Uh, so it's, you know, it sounds like the show will go on, the party will go on. Uh, just some friends will be there and, uh, you know, sit the year out because we got a show Disney Bob and the rest of these yes. Simon Legrees that um, you know, uh, they're wrong.
0: Do you have any rituals that you know you would you'd love to share? I mean, when I used to go, the first thing we did was go to Ralph's. <laughs> That's we'd, one of mine. We too. would stock up. I mean,
1: I go Tuesday. Stuff. You you guys went Wednesday. We would right? get there on Wednesday. I mean, yeah. I I think it's actually become less necessary to go on on Tuesday now, since the pandemic. But um, uh, I guess I just got used to it and it's you know, the hotel rooms are cheap on Tuesday, cheaper, mm-hmm. so it's not that expensive to go. Uh, I just like getting in a day early and, yeah. you know, just getting situated, going to Ralph's, finding the time, because, you know, once it gets going, uh, well, I will say this, biggest, I might have, I might have mentioned this on our last podcast about the dead dog party. Did mm-hmm. I mention it? I
0: think we did. I sure think we did. Okay, so just because there's not going to be one this year. Well, there is. There is. I'm, there
1: is, but it's going to be a lot smaller. Uh, very
0: small. I never got. I never got to go to the dead dog party. You invited me one year. I did. And I wasn't able. We passed out in the hotel. Right? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's it. You so never, that was it. We missed our shot, shot. So, yeah, your but this is yeah. a
0: great tradition at, yeah. at San Diego. It but,
1: is. It is. And um I feel very strongly that last year. The first big show after the pandemic was kind of like, oh, here's all the ways things were before, except we're just doing them, you know, really well, and everybody's happy and and uh, everything is great. And this year is the beginning of a whole new era, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of disruption, and also just um, it's just not the same world. <laughs> we're just not the same people we were in 2019. Time. It has
2: this way of going on five mm. years yeah. later. <laughs>
0: Amazing. I need the light on. Yeah, we got to turn the light on. Okay. Off.
2: Yeah. It is too hot for full-time light bulbs in New York. Yeah. These lights, it, aren't,
1: these lights aren't that hot. Aren't they fluorescent or something? They're hot enough. Yeah. Okay. But it's too dark. Um, well, I think all of this unrest, disruption... And uncertainty ties into our next story, which is that David Harper's, our friend David, uh, of sketched. Uh, so he writes our retailer feature, which came out, on th- I think February or March. It's going to be in March. And, uh, he does a lot of coverage of, uh, retail issues on his site. And so he did a mid-year, um, a mid-year survey and, um, you know, obviously spent great sales. Over the comic comics book sales sword, comic sales sword, but he found a pretty gloomy outlook for the people he talked to. And I think that for me, the, the quote that really, um, summed it up was Joe Field, who said that its sales are shifting back towards pre-pandemic levels, but with post-pandemic costs. And that's not a good recipe for success. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's not even really, it's like some people's sales are really down. Some people's sales are still strong, but it's just, you know, it's erosion. And, you know, I noticed that at PW, it's interesting because, uh, you know, Jim Milliet, uh, writes, I mean, every month he writes a story about book sales and he's always like book sales down and he makes it sound, I read the headline, I see it in my inbox and I'm like, Oh my God, this sounds terrible. I look and It's like, Oh, they're down 2%. And I'm like, Oh. I mean, that's not up, but that's sort of almost flat.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh,
1: but Jim always writes it like sales are down.
0: Well, yeah, you know, well if it for, bleeds, it leads. For those no. short, for you know, for the you know quarterly, monthly things. The problem is, of course, the most money in the book industry is made between November. Yes, between, between September and the, uh, December. Uh, that's the selling season. So even if you're down here and there, and at the end of the day, we have to remember, sales across the board are still higher than they were in 2019.
1: Right. And that's what some people in um, the retailers say, too. I mean, we are definitely, I mean, you know, above 2019 is kind of the mantra for a lot of this stuff. Um, However, there's there's some other little issues. And I mean, the biggest one. Uh, here we go. Yeah, this is a classic Jim headline. Print bail, print book sales improve falling only 1.6% last week. <laughs> that is a classic Jim. Uh, but yes, you're right, Kate. If it bleeds, it leads. Uh, also, I mean, we can get back to this, but I actually have some numbers on graphic novel sales that I can bring up. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, I think, the main complaint that the retailers there well, there's a lot of complaints. They there's,
0: have. A, there's quite a well, few complaints. Well,
1: Calvin. Let me hear your... Well, name. I
0: mean, I mean, uh, David is, does, uh, covers uh, retail. He, he's very excellent at it. Mm-hmm. He really talks to the people. This is a kind of report that I love in particular because he's talking with people and he's talking with you know uh, retailers in you know different parts of the the country, uh, and so the numbers are translated into like. What people have to do to get through each mm-hmm. day. Um, now, I actually think that this is just a deeper and broader version of the the article that he wrote for Publishers Weekly back in March. Uh, I think that there are some different emphases here and there. Um, this is a gloomier, I would say. Slightly well, I think gloomier. Things, Well, I think things have
1: evolved since yeah. beginning of the year. Things have definitely um, evolved over the yeah, first six but months. But the, the main,
0: year. Po- you know, the main points about the about the about the market. Aren't that different? I just think he's talked to maybe a bigger uh, number of people in some instances, or is it? No, I think he talks to the same people. No,
1: no, it's it's definitely a belay that I'm I'm also picking up on
0: out there. What you know, what I get are many of the most classic problems that comics retailers have intensified.
1: Mm -hmm, Yes,
0: Um, we we talked about it before. Um, Just as you said sales aren't necessarily that bad but costs have gone up yes. shockingly um but some of the things are you know uh, uh too many too many comics mm-hmm. late delivery pricing uh mediocre comics whatever well, that means
1: well i mean These that's one costly. of the biggest the biggest ones is that just there's a lot of very mediocre comics um, coming out that that people are interested, but then it says like Dawn of DC def- was. But then was they like, had, So they it's okay, what did like, well, well you, what I'm taking away
2: from it is, um, I couldn't be bothered to read it. I read the promo for it and I was like, that's nice. Hmm. Like to be fair, uh, I'm very picky when it comes to events, so I, I tend more to zoom in on specific titles, but I think. I think they kind of have a point in that they're like there is, you know, there's a lot of titles out there, but things are not, there doesn't seem to be a lot of like startlingly good, startlingly fresh things that are just really standing out as like the breakout hit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see it in comics, you see it in manga. Sometimes there are a few years that are fallow. It doesn't mean there are no good comics coming out there. It's just that there's just no giant equivalent of Lady
1: Gaga's first album, right? Or Alan Moore's first issue of a Swamp Thing.
0: Right. Well... Yeah, all of this. I mean, I do think a part of the problem what we're facing is be careful what you wish for. We always wish for a broader comics market, that there are more people that want comics, that more people want to read comics, that, you know, we, we want to see the landscape increase and choice mm-hmm. increase. Okay people, we have that now. Yeah, we do. Uh, and that means you're in a very demanding and unstable landscape because this is the, the book world type world. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a bountiful amount of um content. Uh fans are fickle. Fans uh, are looking for what they want. They can be choosier than they've ever been had to be able uh to be in the past. Um the comics characters many of them that we know and love, many fans have only encountered them in the movies. And Not there's, in publications.
2: And also, like in the book world, and I've seen this happen in divisions of the book world and divisions of the comic and manga world before, where I think we're at, you're right, Calvin, about the broadening landscape. We're at that Wild West phase mm. where we the publishers don't necessarily understand what all the new quadrants of the market are. And, you know, yeah, if you just look at, Books all together is one category. It's unfathomably huge and hard to understand. But over decades, over generations, people have started to understand what all the niches are, what the genres are, what the audiences are. With comics, well, it's, it's like, well, it's like when manga hit America. This is like now, it's again that size, that size of of audience widening Mm -hmm. right where yeah people who maybe read specific books because it was as close as they were going to get to what they want don't do that anymore because they don't have to do that anymore and so it's going to take the industry i think a little bit to now understand all the different facets of that widened market all the different mini markets inside it um I would say some of them, they're just starting to understand. Uh, Seven Seas is hitting it out of the park. Um, they've just had an incredibly strong year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Tapas is too. No, it's good.
0: I, I think it's very interesting, but keep going. The, the, the kind of publishers you're mentioning is very interesting, but go on.
2: You know, like, it's, a uh, – and, DC and Marvel just seem to be hitting one of their fallow periods where they're not understanding the market well, as well. Well,
1: I don't think it's that they don't even... I, I mean, I think don't understand the market is a, is a good way to put it, but I, I, I think it's just a gigantic systemic problem. Um, you know, in the story, David story, uh, retailer Bruno Batista of Big Bang Comics in Dublin says 70% of the publishers could disappear tomorrow and 90% of the customers wouldn't even notice. Yeah. And that's 100% correct. And well, I would... But, I, but that's I, not a problem, right? But I will say, but I will say this about Marvel and DC. I mean, you know, uh, you weren't enticed by Dawn of DC, but apparently a lot of people were. Sure, they were. Yeah, that's that's fine. You know, and that's and what they say. You. And they say that it became a thing where the the Dawn of DC title on a book, you know, influenced others, and so like yeah. it wasn't just Batman and Superman. It was like Green Lantern and Wonder Woman, yes. which they, God knows, they need. But oh, anyway, yeah. But right. where I was going to go with
2: this and about it is that, yes. Yes, they made an event stick. But what an event is for, what an event is supposed to do is give people a taste of a bunch of different titles in the hopes that one of them will stick so that they have something that's going to drive conversation and sales going forward. And I could be wrong, but it just doesn't seem like a very sticky year yet. There's don't seem to be a lot of, like, barn burners.
1: Well, I think what it is is that they're trying to prop up 80-year-old franchises. Thank you. And guess what? Sometimes that's not effective. And, I mean, if you look at the history of Marvel and DC, they go through periods where they introduce new characters. And that is just something that the market does not support. First off... Creators won't create new characters because they don't get the. Why would they? Why would they? They don't get the. (laughs) They're not creating them for
0: Marvel. DC. They're not creating them for Marvel and DC. They're creating them for their own. Right.
1: They're creating their own thing. But I mean, even you know, like this article talks about how Image is also in the doldrums. Everybody's like, "Where's the new Saga?" You know, and um, uh, you know, there, there, those. I mean, can you name a Image book that came out in the last year that that was was exciting?
0: Well, I will tell you that Image puts out a lot of books. So <laughs> yes. there, I, I'm not going to say that some of those books aren't exciting, but you just don't get around to it. I mean, this is the problem that we're now. When you're in a booming market, when you're in a growing market, I think publishers may be doing what these retailers would like. They're looking for new markets. I think the retailers sometimes, not all the times, and believe me, retailing is tough. Yes. These people are up against it, and they're on the front line. I think the retailers they long for a time when they did not have to deal with the variety of taste that's coming into their stores. Uh, uh David's article is about the DM. Yeah. It's about periodical comics almost entirely. When you when he talks to them about books, oh books are doing fine. Manga is popping. Manga sales are sturdy. Well, that's why manga I thought it was very sa- interesting. Well, but I, I but manga. I wasn't
2: talking about their manga. Well, I wasn't talking about their manga at all. I was talking about their foreign comics, but not their manga. Yeah, okay, well. Their manga is fine. It's fine. It's as fine. It was always fine. It's what they're—they're they're branching out beyond it, where they're branching out to other foreign comics, other than manga, where the market is exploding, where you're it's getting a- big, big titles out of China, big titles out of Korea. Which you weren't seeing before. Those weren't
0: getting those numbers. Okay. Age, I'll, I'll, I'll change it instead of calling it manga. I'll call it Asian pop. This is where the market is. Well, but what I'm saying is, is
2: specifically like, don't merge those phenomenon. Don't merge those phenomenon. They're different.
0: Well, I know they're different, but they're changing the whole marketplace. You don't, you don't think that they're changing the whole marketplace? This, because what it, I'm seeing, what but I'm, I'm saying,
2: it's a different change. Manga already changed the marketplace. That change was 20 absolutely. years ago. This is a new change.
0: Yeah, but I'm telling you, what do you, I don't think that these. I think the retailers are so full, I mean, and they should be. They're worried about the format. Yeah,
1: but listen, I think I think you're both right. Okay, because I think Kate's I mean, right. I, 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 I agree know. With yeah, Kate. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just you know, the, the manga has completely change. changed all the audience, but in retailers are just not ready to do that because they like their superhero comics. I mean it's a fanboy. Now look, you guys, I, I agree. I happen to have here uh no, I haven't I agree had a chance you. to write. I haven't had a chance to write this up yet, but uh I just uh I wanna give a little sales background here. So uh PW had a uh classic gym story, uh with the headline, Book sales continue to slow down in first half of twenty twenty three. After units of book sales are basically flat compared to 2022, they finished the first half of the year down 2.7%, which is just a little bit less than flat. All right, fine. Um, but, you know, it is down. Uh And in here he mentions only a handful of books published in 2023 include Spare, Managed to Land on, Bookscan's Top 25 list, Dave Pilkey's Newest Dog Man entry, of course. Uh, and then he mentions that the high-flying graphic novels category cooled off in the period with units down 22.7%. That is quite a bit. That's a lot. Even with decline, graphic novels with unit sales of 13.8 million was the third largest genre in adult fiction. Um so that's pretty that's huge. huge. That's pretty huge. But you know, I reached out. I wanted to get more of these numbers and uh you know, Kristen McLean at uh at Bookscan actually has given me some charts. Now um it does show that Manga is in decline. Okay, but it's still, like, I'm going to show you guys it because, uh, to be honest... What does this
0: decline look like? Well,
1: I need to decipher this because uh, it's it's put in... uh, The blue line is manga. Anyway, everything is way above where it was in 2019. Way above. That said... Just not where it was last year. Superhero comics are in decline. And this is in bookstores. This is a book scam. This is not direct market sales, but superhero novels are in decline, and nobody is, yeah, well, none of us are surprised by yeah. that. I um, mean, I, I will... This is, it, oh, by the way, this is first six months against first six months, so this is a very specific comparison. Mm-hmm. This is not year to year, or month mm-hmm. to month. This is first six months of uh 20 to 21, 22 and 23. Um, but they are down... Um, this is where I get confused. They're actually down... Uh, in the first six months, even from 2020. So that's not great. Well, periodical comics? Uh, not periodical comics. Superhero graphic novels. Mm-hmm. But I'm not surprised by that, because mm. neither Marvel nor DC, who are the primary graphic novel publishers, um, really um, are are putting out material for the bookstore market.
2: Yeah. And I think I want to address one of the things you said, which I think is not quite right. If they haven't stopped creating new characters. There's a whole bunch, a glut of them every year, but they're not very sticky. Mm-hmm. Um, There have been some, but there's a, a I would say, um, compared to some other eras. There have been eras where there were a lot of new characters who stuck and an era where there have been a lot of new characters who've been memory-holed. Mm-hmm. And I think, unfortunately, we seem to be in a memory-hole era. And it could be because creators are are not maybe putting their whole weight behind it because they're saving their best work for their individual stuff. It could be, quite frankly, because people are so concerned about corporate synergy that they're worried about putting too much weight behind the newer characters who haven't already proven themselves in movies and so on. Mm. I don't know. But, like, there are plenty of new characters, but it does seem like... Marvel and DC, I don't know. They seem distracted. They, yeah. They seem, it's just the last few years since the pandemic feel vaguely like, not individual writers, but just as a picture, as a whole, it does feel a little like they're phoning it in. I gotta say. Well,
1: I will say, uh I, I'm i actually more in contact with people who are, you know, in, let's say, the yeah. freelance community at mm-hmm. Mohawk, DC. And there's a lot of enthusiasm there. There's a lot of new initiatives that people are trying to get through. And you know, look, I'm friends with you know, I'm friendly terms with a lot of the top execs at DC and you know, I've discussed some of these these um these issues with them, but they are aware of them. They are, they're not oblivious to yeah. the things. They're working and our on next, it. Right. They're and our not next, there yet. our next segment, we'll talk about it. You know, Marvel, I, am very opaque. I have no idea what's going on there, but you know, they're number oh, one and they don't seem usually. to really be very interested in, um, like I said, the bookstore market is still a total mystery for Marvel. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, there's just, it, it's still like what Kay, I mean, what you were saying about it being a fallow, Period for new characters. I mean, that's just very, very bad. You know, in in nineteen seventy whatever it was, when Hulk one hundred eighty one came out with Wolverine in it, you know, and the character was a hit from Jump. You know, and I mean Harley Quinn and Deadpool. I mean, it's it's there have been a lot of great characters. Yeah, no, I'm not. uh, But I meant just. Yeah, but I meant now. But I said, like,
2: why? You know, I'll I'll tell you why. Because. The only method that, I don't know whose idea it is, but my guess is it's something in corporate that they seem to have for introducing a big major new character at the moment is attempting to replacement Goldfish, a pre-existing character. right? And that is a bad idea. Because it sets the fans of the old character against you from the day one, and it sets all the chances against your new character. But
1: you know why that is? It's because the retailers won't order a book starring a new character. No, but what I'm saying is there's there's two ways to do it,
2: right? Well, three. One, you're a placement goldfish. Bad idea. Two, you give them their own book, unless the writer's famous, not going to go anywhere. Three... You introduce them in somebody else's book as a side character, and if people start to like them, a la Wolverine, great. If not, no harm, no foul, no money lost. Pricing. Yeah,
1: pricing. That's an issue. That's I do a huge think issue. Is a huge issue it's an as well. Issue. And yeah.
0: people are, are are being very choosy. They're being conservative in their buys. They're always going to default to well-known characters more than likely. When it comes to new characters.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, it's like, it is incredibly hard to, long, you know, I mean, I, I on know. The one, wait, on the one hand, you have the retailers saying, we need a new saga. And then it's like, if you give them something new, they're like, what? It's not Batman.
0: Right. You so know, you have. I mean, of course, non-returnability yeah. is an issue too, at least, yes. you know, outside yes. looking in. But also, I mean, we also need to think outside of the superhero world, yeah, which we we're looking Marvel at right? as well. There's an explosion of characters. Well, there there is, but, but... But?
2: But, the marketing is... I mean, some of it is is just, you know, lightning in a bottle not happening, and some of it is just... Nobody's giving creators the support they need to market their new stuff. But, we, you know, listen... Things uh, aren't catching fire at the moment. Some years they do, some years they don't.
1: And uh but I, I I would be I think there's a lot of systemic issues in the industry and systemic issues outside mm-hmm. the industry. I do think it's all it's all connected. I think it's oh, all yeah. connected. And we're in a very dark Malay time of Malays, you know, with the book bannings and all the things that we talk about. Um you know, here is an interesting I wanna read this one quote. This was uh you know, some people responded to David's article. Online, and um, this was from Bon Alamagno, who used to work at Marvel and Amazon. And he, you know, he's a friend of mine, but he's mm. a keen industry observer, let's mm. put it that way. And he said, If prepaid pre orders were the norm in the comics industry, like every other industry in 2023, retailers wouldn't have to keep guessing what customers want. But no one listens. We embrace the hardest path and then complain about the resulting pain like it's a surprise. So this is true. But I but I actually think Bob is wrong there in that Mm. what you guys are just saying. It's like if I read Green Lantern, okay, and I like going to the comic shop every Wednesday and buying Green Lantern when it comes out, you know, and I go, I pick up my comics, and, you know, I've ordered without paying for Green Lantern and then Dawn of Green Lantern and then Night of Green Lantern, right, and then I get them and they ring it up and it's like, you know, $20. I'm like, oh, shh. But then I'm still going to buy them, right? Whereas if I were sitting there with, like, the sushi ordering thing and being like, $7 for a piece of toro, that's cheap, actually. But uh you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, even though Bon is correct, that pre-ordering would remove a lot of the issues. Um, psychologically, it doesn't track.
2: Yeah, and also, I mean, come on bookstores may pre-order people on amazon occasionally if they're a super fan may pre-order but by and large the general book buying order does not call up barnes and noble or walk up to the counter and go you know i just love james patterson i want to preview i want to pre-order his next book they don't do it they buy it when it's in the store the person absorbing that prepaid pre-order is somebody who's not that customer
1: yeah. Well, I'd like to move on to well, and I should say oh, yeah.
0: one of the other comments you had which they'd also think of a smaller thing like metadata. Uh, you right. have a comment mm-hmm. about yeah, them, yeah. But I think that these things a lot are very issues. important. Retailers know they're important. Maybe fans don't, um, even sometimes the journalists don't. Uh I just think that the the industry is working through the the, the comics market is becoming more like the book market. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna it, it it's not easy to like just I just think it's glib to say, "Oh, we need to do more, more marketing," or "Oh, you know," or "Or the books are all bad." You know, it's not that. There's mm-hmm. more books. There's more customers. There's more taste. It's going to be a process.
2: Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of different things, right? It's understanding the current customers. It's the it factor, which you can never predict. And it's knowing how to promote to that specific brand of customer. So, and I think that's, it, these are growing pains. These yeah. are good problems. Right. But
1: let's talk about, in terms of this, the story that we had on our list, which is, uh, the DC Universe Infinite, mm-hmm. um, getting a manga reader, uh, yes. um, like, oh, like yeah, they yeah. updated the, uh, so this is very, this is what I mean when I say people at DC are very aware yeah, that so. manga oh, yeah. is eating their lunch. I mean, yes. they know. Okay. So they have like three, manga titles coming out. Uh they, these came out of Japan already. Yeah and... oh that's
2: a long ago, long ago. Thing. Right,
1: right, right, right. But they're coming out here for the first time. No they're right? not. Oh, I mean they're... these
2: particular ones maybe but this is not the first time.
1: Yeah, but I'm just saying. But, but I do think the, the books that are coming out this time are a little bit more contemporary and a little... I mean, you know, like the Batman. They definitely had some Batman manga
0: come out yeah, before. I, but well, this one is Superman about Superman eating noodles. I mean, I don't noodles. know about these comics. It's Superman
1: eating noodles.
0: Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean... I mean DC does seem to be looking around and taking the, you know, taking the temperature.
2: Yeah, but I think what shows that they're taking the temperature is not just the production of these comics. This is where I was going with, of these manga in comics form, comics in manga form, however you look at it. It's that they were, they realized how important it was to the point of working on and altering their app in significant ways to make this work instead of it just being a bone that they tossed the Marvel to the manga fans like, like, the, the usual, oh, it's Batmanga. Mm-hmm. Usually was
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, these comics, I think came out from 20 through 21 in Japan. So they're, they're new. But yeah, know. but I, but hmm, they've done
2: new before. They've done, this is what's special is that they're realizing it's important. Yes, exactly. Is that they're realizing it. This is not just a novelty toy.
1: Yes, correct, correct. They are realizing that these are, possibly the bridge to a new audience for them and you know yes. changing their reader. So And
2: so. I think I could be wrong, but I'm going to read the tea leaves again. And I think that this doesn't just say something about the comics they're going to import from other countries. It says something about the comics they're going to import from other types of apps. Oh,
0: what I you- think. What, DC Infinite it's in, in specifically or Oh yeah.
2: DC Infinite and other people too I think that they are making these changes because they see webtoons on their own platform in the future
0: Oh, so you could be right. Well, there is a... And frankly, I think that would be smart. I think that would be <laughs> They'd be idiots if <laughs> they didn't do. Well, it. there's a DC
1: Webtoons panel. Uh, DC's Webtoons I, I, team up is getting its own panel at San Diego. And listen, all of these... Yeah. Issues, and they're good comics. And all of these issues mm-hmm. that we're talking about are... Boy, if you think they're not going to be talked about at San Diego... Oh, be, obviously, they'll be talked about at San Diego. Yeah. I
0: just
2: can't wait to hear what they
0: say. I know. And this either. is more of what I'm saying is that... I, I mean, not, which I've kind of been saying the same thing for 30 years... I, I, Comics, especially stores, the, the, the direct market—they need to be thinking like they're in the book business.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they are, but and, I mean, yeah, it's and I know slow, they are, its a but, transition. But well, th-
0: and when you look at David's article, though, there—I mean, the focus—and I understand because this is a key product line: periodical comics. Mm-hmm. But you know. He, the, all the retailers are like, oh yeah, the books are okay. Uh, yeah, the books are okay. Oh, all the sales, are, but the periodicals is all of the focus for the but problems.
1: But I, you know, Brian Hibbs and I go back and forth on this all the time, and I, I gotta say, he kind of gave a point that because you know he's all about the serialization, and I was like, but you know, not everything is serialized. But I have to be honest, like think Pilkey. And Reina are almost the only ones that aren't serialized. You know, even Big Nate, which is a huge one. That's a comic strip. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Lore Olympus is a huge hit right now. Uh, it's serialized. just
2: serialized in a totally different serialized way. Serialized yeah. in a different
1: way. All manga is serialized in Japan. And kids publishing love serials. They do love serials, but, you know, not quite in this Tankubon, like uh, Webtoon. No, not like it. Yeah, periodical yeah. comics but, way, you know,
0: three or four book series is definitely. Well, yeah, not but
1: enjoyable. that's no, that it's is not what I. Thing. That's different. That's mm-hmm. not the kind of serialization yeah, I, I'm talking yeah, about. I don't, I, yeah. You know, we're talking about in a different format mm-hmm. and then being collected. Yeah. yeah, and almost all. You know, Brian did have a point when he. I sat down and looked at all the actual top books. I was like, hey, you know what? Almost every one of these was serialized in a different format. you yeah. know, when it mm-hmm. launched. So it's like you know you need double dip on the on the formats. That's um. It's not a bad thing.
2: No. And I think also part of the growth of the market is going to be that some of that market is not designed for the direct market, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, that I can't blame a direct market retailer for not trying to be all things to all people. I think they can still widen their window a bit, but there are going to be chunks of the graphic novel market that are not going to be... The same people who are going to walk into a direct market store and that's okay.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Um, I'm, I see we're running short on we, we time. Are. We're we good. have, but, but this is a big important topic, but I want to bring up two other stories just to quickly talk about. So this is actually very germane to what we were it just is. talking it's about. Very is that germane. Viz is increasing its, its cover price. Yeah.
2: Yes. As of next year, Viz is raising their manga prices by $2. Yeah. So instead of being their typical baseline price being nine ninety nine for a volume of manga, which has held steady for quite some time.
0: Since the late nineties. Early two thousands. Yeah early
2: two thousands. Yeah. Yeah, it is jumping to eleven ninety nine next year.
0: And or other t- publishers have already raised it, isn't that some have, some haven't. Yeah.
2: But Viz is the big dog in the game. Mm-hmm. And so if Viz is rising, that gives a lot of other people permission to rise yeah. as well. Because
0: the nine ninety nine price point, I mean that that, that, transformed held. the manga, but, the, but, manga but, 999 was, years ago was also
1: whatever. the price for, Cabas for younger, younger mm-hmm. reader manga as well. I mean, you know, some manga's 15, 99. So, I mean, there's different, but, there's a yeah, different but range. We're, we're talking yeah, about but the baseline. The baseline. Yeah, the the baseline, baseline you know,
2: like, you, there's always going to be yeah. the special edition. There's right. always going to be the double yeah. thick. There's always going to be the extra large. There's always going to be the collector's edition. But the baseline price, the, you're not going to go cheaper than price. Yeah. Was 9.99
1: and it's gone up to 11.99. Yeah. So this is it, yeah. It's a big deal. It's It's a a big big deal. deal. But we might return to this to discuss it. And I
2: do wonder, just one last thing goes to slip, I do wonder if this is part of why they're promoting their apps so much now because they know that, that you know, for their younger market, they may lose a little bit of that to that particular format, so they may need to pick them up somewhere else. Well,
1: we know that Japanese publishers have been very anti-digital for a long time, but guess what? That is changing. It has. In fact, it's already changed. It's changed. Uh, one so,
0: point that, that I did mention in David's piece, he, one thing that retailers didn't seem to mention was supply chain problems.
2: Yeah, yeah. They didn't,
0: that wasn't brought up. No, so, because
2: I think they, while well, maybe not pre pandemic levels of great, have improved vastly mm-hmm. over last year.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I definitely want to just cover this because we talked about it here before the show, uh, mm-hmm. before we wrap up. But, uh, you know, with Lance Fensterman, oh, yeah. a friend of the podcast, uh, left Reed Pop as uh, the head of New York Comic Con and all that, and was going somewhere. We were all like, "Well, where is he going?" Because he said he had a new gig. And then Mike Armstrong of Reed Pop also left. He was like, "Well, he's going to the same place, obviously." Uh Okay, it turns out they are going to Fanatic, which yeah. is this collectible company that's starting Fanatic events. And Calvin, you're more familiar with Fanatic well, than I stuff.
0: am. I bought stuff from Fanatic. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's it's collectibles. It's merch, but it's mostly sports focused, correct? Sports focused, mm-hmm. um, but they're they make so much money. I mean, this guy started this. Uh, I mean, it's not even that old a company, mm. and it's worth billions. I don't wow. even know the full valuation, uh, but they're they're getting into live events. Um, basically, they want. In fact, I think the the, the story that we were uh, referring to. They want it to be a Comic Con like event. Comic Con for sports
1: is what Lance sports, Lance called merch, it, you know. It's trading
0: cards. Yeah. That's uh, become incredibly huge online. And now. they
1: have teamed with IMG, which is kind of a branding licensing right. company, and they, you know they work with everything from. They're also a
0: sports agency, and
1: they're also a sports <laughs> agency. But they also are division of Endeavor, which owns yes. the UFC, and. Mm. Just recently, WWE. So you could see this is a big titanic powerhouse of huge brands colliding yes. to put events on the table. So anyway, hey, congrats to Lance Seriously. and Mike. This is like a enormous opportunity and a, you know, like you say, it's a billion dollar company. So and, and
0: I multiple think, billions. <laughs> yeah. Multi,
1: multi billions. And I also think that this could be a lucky
2: strike for the uh sports fan market because if lance at all bring the the skill and the know-how that they've developed doing comic cons to uh, other fandoms events, we'll call it yeah. that. You know, that that can only benefit because we here in, in comics have really, you know, kinda
1: pioneered some really cool things when it comes to conventions. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, there is a lot of interest, you know, as I mentioned, and I did a little story about it, but you know, collectibles soared during pandemic, sort of in decline now, oh, yeah. uh, live events, dec- you know, went away during the pandemic, but on, the rise, on the rise now. now. So that's yeah. a nice place to find the equilibrium of these two big, you know, pastimes or hobbies or whatever you want to call them. Yep. So,
0: way to go, Lance.
1: Woof. Yeah, congrats, Lance. Absolutely. And Mike. Uh, yes, and Mike yes, and yes. yes, right. yes. So, right. um, well, I guess that wraps it up for this week, right?
0: Looks that way. Huh. San Diego Comic-Con oh, is coming.
1: Well, wish me luck. Yes. Uh, Godspeed,
0: God Heidi God McDonald. Speed.
1: When you talk to me again, I'll be on the other side. So, uh, i changed as always. Uh, but until then, there will be more Two.
2: Come and remember, listeners, tune in for our special San Diego Comic Con coverage.